Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Diamond Digest's Top 10 Players Right Now, the 2022 Lockout Edition, We Can Do It, MLB Network Can't. I'm your host, Sean Huff, and I'm here today with Joe Ketters. Uh, how are you doing today, Joe? I'm good, Sean. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to do this group. We're doing first base today. Uh, we're recording this on Friday, the day that the first episode of this got released, which was The Catcher's. And I'm very excited to be able to do an episode where I don't have to say that a 99 WRC Plus is one of the good ones for the position. Exactly. So before we get into the list itself, I'd like to ask you just generally your thoughts on the position. There are, there are a lot of stars here. There are five guys here. I think the top five on this list, I would reasonably expect to get down ballot MVP support next year at the very least, and it wouldn't surprise me if other guys got a few stray votes either. But it's not like the great first base group that we had in 2008, 2009, 2010 era when it was prime Pujols, prime Votto. So what did you think of this list? Did you struggle at the back end of the top 10? Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, this group and position is pretty loaded. Um, you can make a case for a lot of guys who can miss people's lists. Um, as far as first basemen go in general, I'm not too worried about defense. I mean, obviously, I just want a guy who can catch the ball, kind of field routine grounders whenever they happen. Um, I feel like when a first baseman messes up, though, it looks way worse because their job is just catch the ball. Um, but definitely looking more for offensive production than I am defense, per se. I'm absolutely with you there, but I'm glad you mentioned defense because I had – a uh, little fun fact I wanted to throw out here. Since 2008, which is the furthest back I'll go for defensive stats, I pulled up the league stats on fan graphs, looked at how first basemen have done as a unit defensively since 2008. You know, 2021 was the second best first baseman have been defensively, according to the fan graphs defense metric. I mean, that's kind of surprising. Just because when you think of all these first basemen, you just think of guys who hit home runs and with whether or not these balls are juiced and kind of the power hitters that we've seen, we're thinking for guys to just be kind of beefy on the base and hit home runs. So to see that they're playing some defense is definitely nice. It's exciting. And I know that number is probably juiced by UZR not taking into account shifting very well, but still, it's exciting to think about first basemen actually being able to play decent defense. All right, let's jump into the list. We're going to start with some guys who just missed the top 10. If you haven't heard the first episode of this, which if you haven't, you should, because it was a great episode and we had a lot of Sal Perez slander, which was fun. But this list was voted on by about two dozen staff members here at Diamond Digest. We all ranked our players 1 to 10, in some cases 1 to 15. And points were assigned based on where people were ranked. The composite is this list that we're presenting today. So four guys stood out here who came very close to the list and didn't quite make it. They are, in alphabetical order, Ty France, Ryan Mountcastle, Anthony Rizzo, and Jared Walsh. And just some quick stats I want to point out with all these guys. Ty France, 129 WRC Plus in 2021. 3.5 F4, 4.3 reference war. Ryan Mountcastle as a rookie, 33 home runs. 111 WRC plus Anthony Rizzo 112 WRC plus 
He is a little bit older, though, going into his age 32 season. And Jared Walsh, his first year is really a full-time player. 127 WRC+, 2.8 F4. So do any of these guys really stand out to you? Yeah, I mean, uh, one of these guys made a late addition into my top 10. Um, <laughs> but the two biggest, well, three biggest, I guess, are Brant, Mountcastle, and Walsh. Like you said, this being Walsh's first real seasoning. Ty Francis, too, where he played 152 games. Um, and then Mountcastle as a rookie. I mean, these are definitely all promising first basemen that can be locked up in their respective teams that definitely need the hitting help. So it's definitely a good boost for all those teams. And then, like you said, Rizzo getting a little bit older. Um, still putting up numbers, though. Still like a good player. Yeah. Still gets on base at the very least. All right, we're yeah, going to get as in. A Yankees. As yeah. a Yankees fan, I loved it. <laughs> we're going to get into the top 10 now. At number 10, this one was kind of unexpected to me. And I think this is the first time he's ever made the top 10 first baseman on our website. It's Yuli Gurriel from the Houston Astros. Gurriel is older. He's tied for the oldest player on this list. He's going into his age 38 season. However, he was the AL batting champion, hitting 319. He had a 134 WRC+, plus, 3.4 F4. He was 98th percentile in K rate, 97th percentile in whiff rate. But something that propped him up was a 336 BABIP, which was about 30 points above his career average there. So what do we think about Gurriel? He's a good player. He hits year in, year out, except for 2020. But short season, take it with a big grain of salt. I yeah. didn't find room for Gurriel. What did you think about him? Um, I had him a little higher than 10 on my list. Um, I think when he's in Houston, you kind of get overshadowed by the Bregmans and Altuve and Correa of the world. Um, so to have a guy at first base being that old and still producing, I mean, 319 average, having those guys on base definitely helps. Um, just to know you have a solid guy to round out the infield. I mean, that's that could be an all-star lineup of an infield. So, I mean, to put up these numbers at this age, I think is something crazy. Yeah, I I think that might be part of me underrating him there is that is an all-star team. He's like the sixth best hitter in that lineup. I know Astros fans and Astros broadcasters rave about his defense. He doesn't grade out that well in the defensive metrics. I checked while I was putting together the stat sheet here, which surprised me because I think you have reference open. He has a gold glove, right? Uh, let's see. He, yeah, he did last year, actually. Yeah, which surprised me that I believe he was at exactly zero outs above average last year. Yeah, I mean, that, as we say, like that infield is pretty locked up, can do it all. So to know you have a first baseman that can hit and according to the voters can field too and get a gold glove, like I think anybody would take 15 home runs out of their first baseman for a 319 average and a gold glove. Yeah. The only real concern with him is he doesn't walk at all. He Swings at a lot of pitches out of the zone, but he makes a lot of contact, so there's that. Yeah, and maybe that on-base percentage last year was an outlier at 383, which is 40 points higher than his next highest, but 
I mean, it'll take what you can get. Yeah. And in that park, if he can just golf balls into the Crawford boxes, he's fine. Yeah. He is 38, though. There's some concern there. We're going to move up the list to someone who had an incredible 2021 at number nine. And I'm surprised he's this low. Brandon Belt, who just re-signed recently with the Giants. And Belt, another older guy going into his age 34 season. He was fully healthy in 2021. That's been a knock on him for most of his career. And in fact, the past two years combined 560 plate appearances. He slashed 285, 393, 595 with 38 home runs. He has a 163 WRC plus over the past two years. That's third among all hitters with at least 500 plate appearances and 5.2 F4 over that span. So my question here is, we just heard the numbers with Belt. Why is he only ninth? Um, I mean, definitely playing under 100 games. This is his first time, not counting 2020, since 2014 playing under 100 games. So, I mean, the age is definitely creeping up on him. Um, when I think of Brandon Bell, I kind of mix him in with the Buster Posey's and Crawfords of that team, kind of just being a locker room guy. Um, someone who's been captain. with the team. Yeah, someone who's been with the team forever, um, familiar face. So I feel like that leadership kind of makes up for playing a little more than half the year. And even at half the year, almost 30 home runs, that's his highest in his career by far. Like that combination of the chemistry and that burst of power is really good for him. Yeah, he really raked last year and he really raked in 2020. And I'm hoping it, well, Part of me is hoping it doesn't continue on. My former roommate is a Giants fan, and when they're good, he's very annoying about it. But he's a fun player. He's someone I've liked for a long time. He was the original Matt Olson. He used to be this great defender, just crushed the ball, weird batting stance, big lefty. But he's developed into, he's not the great defender anymore. Still solid for the position. He's developed into a real force on offense the past two years, and it's exciting. Yeah, and I'm, I was honestly surprised that it took him that long to bring him back. Um, we kind of figured they were going to run who they could back, you know, with Posey leaving Chris Bryant's future up in the air. So I figured they would have locked him up a little sooner, but it's good to see that they brought him back. Definitely. He's one of those guys who'd look wrong in another ballpark. For sure. And, you know, he's their captain, according to the electrical tape on his uniform. So <laughs> we're going to go up the list now. Another older guy. There's a lot of them here. And uh, a lot of the writers at this site are glad to hear it. I'm not. Number eight, Jose Abreu of the Chicago White Sox. And Abreu is a good player. Don't get me wrong. He's going into his age 35 season. He was coming off a 2020 MVP. Not the most deserved MVP, but not a bad choice nonetheless. He was legitimately excellent in the shortened season. And in 2021, he regressed kind of back to earth. Still 659 plate appearances of a 126 WRC+. plus That accounted for 2.9 F4. And he set a career high in walk rate with 9.3%. And he's gotten better on defense. He's not the complete liability he once was. But he's just not the high-end hitter at this position that he was early in his career. He's still a great player. He, If he plays his whole career in the States, he's probably a Hall of Famer. But 
I don't know. I This seems high to me. What do you think? I mean, I had him top five in my list. Um, if 117 RBIs and 30 home runs is regressing, like that's that's something the White Sox can get excited about. I mean, looking at his page right now, every year in his eight years, minus two and one was a shortened season. He's had over 100 RBIs, pretty much 30 home runs every year. And I mean, as for fantasy players like myself, it's <laughs> something you can't go wrong with drafting this guy. Like, if he's going to regress, it's a good regression. I mean, he's gotten MVP votes almost every year. He's been an all-star a bunch of times, uh, rookie of the year. Um, he's just as solid as it gets, something the White Sox, the only thing they have to worry about is when he becomes too old to play. And right now it doesn't look like he's shown much signs of aging. No, and even if he does get too old to play, the heir apparents are there in Andrew Vaughn and Gavin Sheets. And you're right, if this is if I did this as a fantasy list, he's definitely top five, top six. Yeah, and I mean as he gets older, maybe he'll play a few more games at DH, mix in first base a little bit, but he's not someone I'd worry about having in the lineup. Oh, he's a good hitter. He's not Again, he's not the 150 OPS plus type guy he was early in his career, but he's still a good hitter. For sure. When you said the bar that high that early, yes, you're going to regress, but still, guys would wish they had this on their team. <laughs> you're right. We're going to go up to number seven now. Wow, we're speeding along here. This, this is what happens when there are only two of us. We're going to go up to number seven, the first younger guy on this list, and it's Pete Alonzo of the Mets. Alonzo, not particularly young, but he is going into his age 27 season. Last year, 200, sorry, 637 plate appearances, 133 WRC+, 37 home runs. Alonzo is one of the premier power hitters in baseball. Three war even. 19.9 K rate. That was the lowest of his career. That's a significant improvement for him. Won his second home run derby. We all saw that. We all enjoyed that performance. He's, if he's in the lineup, he's going to mash the ball. For sure. And I mean, I think one of his biggest detriments, at least in the past, was just kind of playing on the Mets. You know, not, <laughs> not giving that run support to, uh, Degrom, but now with these moves that the Mets have made this offseason, I really think that's just going to make him that much better of a player. You know, he's got weapons all around him now to hit. Um, guys are going to have to pitch to him. Um, like you said, still pretty young, new in the league, but he's going to still hit for power and kind of be a mainstay at that corner. Yeah. And he is the strikeout improvement. Really caught my eye there because that was the one big thing in his game was his own base kind of had an artificial ceiling to it with him striking out as much as he does and him not being a huge walk rate guy. He's certainly doesn't have bad plate discipline, but he's not the best in the league at walking. Now, if he's striking out less and he can run into some Babbitt block, he's a legitimate down ballot MVP guy because he could hit that well now with that power. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, defense isn't the best, but if he can muscle up some home runs, it doesn't have to be that great. 
Yeah, the defense is terrible, but who cares? It's first base. Yeah. And the next guy's uh, it hurts me to say this has become a terrible defender as well, but I'm so happy to say it. One of my favorites at number six, back in the top ten after a few years away, future Hall of Famer Joey Votto. Joey Votto is going into his age 38 season, and I'll be honest, I thought he was done. However, last season, he took a complete change in his approach. He started trying to just hit the ball hard. He was more aggressive. He actually struck out the highest percentage he has in his career, 23.8% of the time. It didn't matter. 533 plate appearances. 140 WRC plus that was seventh in the National League, 36 home runs, 3.6 F4. Joey Votto is back, and we have him ranked really high. Apparently, we're all in on Votto. Do you think that's smart of us? Like Joey Votto is a mean, great player. He's Ted Williams, but yeah, I had him at seven on my list. Um, I mean, everyone knows he's been the on-base percentage god of baseball. Um. And he's, I think he's kind of understanding that he's getting towards the end of his run. And if he's going to go out, he's going to go out hitting bombs. And I mean, he even <laughs> said in an interview, like, that he's, when he went on that crazy streak, that he's just trying to hit the ball hard and then good things happen. And I mean, I think he's a great leader for these young guys like India and Winker and Nakin and Tyler Stevenson and. I mean, he's got a plethora of knowledge to give to these guys and kind of hand it over to them when he's all done. But like you said, he's 100% a Hall of Famer. I mean, the amount of bold in, on his be uh, baseball <laughs> page is absurd. The fact that he only has one MVP is absurd. Yeah, and I think that just goes to show like what these voters kind of are looking for. And I mean, walks aren't sexy. Nobody really likes walks they like <laughs> home runs and i mean and now he's, he's giving like, it to him yeah he said over 30 home runs three times one of them in his mvp year so i mean if he can shift to be more of a home run guy kind of with the dh coming to the nl now he might get some dh games kind of save his body and get that defense out of there i mean he's i think he's properly ranked yeah, he's legitimately a great hitter. It's a little weird because he was a great hitter last year, but he wasn't Joey Votto. He wasn't putting up a 430 on base and doubling the next closest guy in walks. But, hey, yeah, it's Joey Votto and he like, finds a way. I think he's kind of the perfect image of the shift in baseball where it's like now these people are concerned about launch angle and hitting home runs and – kind of showing that you can do both like you can be a big walk guy get on base guy but if you focus on certain things you can kind of switch to that hit some home runs kind of help your team score some runs directly instead of putting it on other people on your team to try and knock you in yeah and up until about two years ago he was the closest thing to ted williams we'd ever seen yeah now we have juan soto who's actually ted williams but yeah that's that's absurd yeah, I can't wait to do that list. But yeah, Votto, I'm just so happy he's back. I tried to find my Votto shirt to wear during this recording. 
Yes, if you're listening to this as a podcast, we are recording video here. Uh, I encourage watching the videos of these. I understand if it you know, fits into your day more conveniently to listen to it as a podcast, but you do lose some things. Anyway, we're going to go from someone who somehow only has one MVP to someone who somehow has no MVPs. At number five, Paul Goldschmidt. Goldschmidt is going into his age 34 season. It doesn't matter. He still rakes. He's raked his entire career. In 2021, 679 plate appearances. An absurd number. 138 WRC+. plus. He was 11th in the National League. Five... Sorry, 4.9 F4, a five-win season, eighth in the NL. And since he's gotten to the Cardinals, there's been this perception that he's been a little disappointing compared to his early career. Well, in that span, he has a 130 WRC+, which is seventh in the National League. Goldschmidt, even if he's not at his Diamondback peak, he's still a great player. And a little fun fact I'm going to throw in here. Shout out to the Hall of Stats. He crossed the threshold for being qualified for the Hall of Stats this year and got to 100 in their system. So if he was to retire right now, he'd be in that group. Let's go. I mean, I remember a few months ago, I got the most slander I've ever received for defending Paul Goldschmidt as one of the best first basemen in baseball. I mean, we all had him ranked five in our lists, including myself. And I mean, I feel like, like you said, him and Arenado both when they got to the Cardinals, it was kind of uh, all these guys are washed. Uh, they can't play here. But, I mean, he definitely turned it around, figured it out, and he's gotten MVP votes the last seven years, six years, been an all-star almost for what is it, six years in a row before coming to St. Louis. And, I mean, they're one of the best defensive teams, and I feel like that's definitely helping them out a little bit. Um. I, I just don't get the Paul Goldschmidt slander. I don't. It's got to just be because he's kind of a boring guy. He has the real simple batting stance, the real simple swing, and just goes out. And every year it's 280, 32 homers. Yeah. And I mean, this is like, if your first baseman's hitting, I feel like 30 is like kind of the number that people look at where if your first baseman's hitting 30 plus, like, it's pretty good. Like that's you're towards the top in home runs, probably for your team. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing sexy about playing in Seattle. They do everything right. Most gold gloves there. (sighs) And some people hate the gold gloves, but their defense is phenomenal. And then you got a guy like Goldschmidt on a corner with Aaron on the other side. Like I, this is just the pure baseball at its finest. Yeah, and one thing I'll add in here, Goldschmidt's the best base running first baseman of all time. If you use Fangraph's base running runs, I think he was fifth all time, and the latest a guy who was ahead of him retired was like 1923. We've never seen a better base running first baseman than Goldschmidt. Yeah, nobody... Nobody thinks about that. Nobody really cares about those stats. But, <laughs> I mean, to have a first baseman that doesn't run into stupid outs, like, I, I just don't get it. Yeah, he's a great player. He's probably another Hall of Famer on this list. And now into the very top tier here, 
These were, according to the voting, really clearly the top four. And here's the one that's hard to rank. Number four, we have Max Muncy. And Muncy shouldn't be hard to rank. In fact, four should be a little low for him. He's going into his age 31 season. He had a 140 WRC plus last year, 4.9 F4, so a five-win player. And since his 2013, 2018, excuse me, breakout, he has a 138 WRC plus, which is 13th among all major leaguers with at least 1,500 plate appearances. He is a better hitter than at least two of the guys ahead of him. But he's almost impossible to rank because, one, he's not a true first baseman. He spends a lot of time at second base, where he's also pretty good. He's not a bad second baseman by any means. And two, we know he's hurt, and we know he's going to miss part of the season. Do you think that's the thing holding him back here, is that he's not going to put up 600 plate appearances next year, and we know that ahead of time? Yeah, I mean, I had him just a little bit lower, probably for the same reason that he's not a full-time first baseman. Um, he did have a really good stretch at one point throughout the season. I mean, 368 on-base percentage is really good, but I think it's that average that kind of makes people kind of flip a coin on how high they want to rank him. Um, I don't want to say he's positionless because he's good at every position, but when I think of a guy who's like can go all over the field, at least on the Dodgers, I think of Chris Taylor where he's – second base outfield can play a little shortstop where Max Muncy, it's kind of like I could see him as a full-time first base DH guy and then to throw him at second base, kind of throw him at third base. And it's almost like, like he's out of position, but I mean, the numbers are still great. 30 plus home runs every year, except 2020. Um, I think that batting average is kind of what holds me back. And I know that's, very basic stat to kind of hold back on, but yeah, he he was one of the guys in 2020 who hit like 180, but was still an above average hitter, right? Yeah, and it's just like that's the guys that the sabermetrics people like, and when you look into deeper stats that you don't see every day on the box score, like that's when you understand why he's so good. But to a casual fan, just kind of looking at these numbers, it's like. Like, yeah, yeah he, hits, he hits for power, high. he walks. Yeah. yeah. That that reminds me, I should probably do some explaining of some of the sabermetric stats. I don't know what our audience is here. Uh, at least specifically WRC+, Plus, which I reference a lot. Uh, feel free to tune this out if you already know what I'm talking about. But for people who aren't, uh, that stands for Weighted Runs Created Plus. It's a total offensive stat takes into account how much you hit for power, how much you get on base, and it uses, like, a single is slightly more valuable than a walk, a double is more valuable than a single, etc. And 100 is dead average at it. If you're a point over 100, that means you're 1% better than average. A point under, you're 1% below average. And it just goes like that. So I assume most of the people listening to this already knew that, but for people listening to this for fantasy baseball advice, first of all, don't. And second of all, it, there you go. If you didn't know that, now you can retroactively understand what we're talking about here. And moving up to the top three now, someone who got first place votes on this countdown, Matt Olson, 
currently of the Oakland A's, probably not for long, but Resurgence Bandwagon is off Twitter, so we won't know for sure. Olsen is the young guy at this position. Well, the other young guy at this position. He's going into his age 28 season. He's in his prime. Last year was his best year. 146 WRC+. That was fifth in the American League. 39 home runs. That was tied for fifth in the AL. Five fan graphs wore even. 11th in the AL. And he struck out only 16.8% of the time. That was a career best by far for him. And he's the premier defender at this position. Olsen is probably not going to play for the A's this year. He's probably going to play for the Yankees. And he'll look even better with that short porch. So I'll ask you, the Yankees fan, do you want him higher than three? Um, I had him too. So we're pretty close there. Um, Matt Olson, if for some reason you're listening to this, he would look great in pinstripes, right field, very short. Yeah, if, the, if there are any players listening to this, please let us know. But, I mean, yeah, he's the, the second young guy, like you mentioned. I mean, the guy hits for power, career best home runs, career best average on base percentage. Like, things are trending up for him. Great time for the ace to sell. And whether or not he goes to the Yankees, there are a lot of teams looking for kind of that solid first baseman they can lock up for the future. And Matt Olson is that poster guy. Um, and then, especially as you mentioned, he's a great defender to go along with all that power and know you're not sacrificing any defense on the corner. I mean, this, this guy's going to make bank when he signs an extension and wherever he's going to play, they're going to be happy to have him. Yeah. There's maybe one team in the entire league right now where he wouldn't be an upgrade at first base. So yeah, if the A's are selling, which they're the A's, they probably are. There should be 28 teams calling them. And when Olsen's a free agent in a few years, there should be 29 teams trying to sign him. Exactly. He hits the ball so hard. He has such a weird... He looks like he's never held a bat before. But then he swings and he just crushes the ball. He's so athletic at first. He's a great player. And he's going to be in this top three, top four, top five range for the next five years, most likely. 100%. He's another guy who did the thing in 2020, right? Like 197, but like 110 OPS plus or something. Yeah, yeah. He hit 195, 14 home runs, 310 on base percentage. Like His power is ridiculous. Yeah, it's absurd. OPS plus, always over 100. Guy does it all. Yeah. Now, number two, someone, this was last year's champion and almost a unanimous champion last year. Didn't get any first place votes this year, but still comes in at number two. Current free agent and reigning world champion, Freddie Freeman. Freeman was coming off an MVP year in 2020, and he went back to what he does his entire career which was be a great player. He's going into his age 32 season. Over the past two years, 2020 and 2021, he has 957 plate appearances. That's third among all MLB players. A 149 WRC+, that's fifth among all MLB players. 
and 7.8 Fangraphs war. That's sixth among all position players. And that's especially impressive when you remember how heavily Fangraphs taxes first baseman in their positional adjustments. Freeman is a great player. I don't know how he's still a free agent. He hits every year. He's another guy who could end up as a Hall of Famer on this list. He's number two. He didn't get a single first place vote this year. Do you think that's weird? Do you think someone should have thrown him a vote? Do you think it's weird that he's number two and not number three or number four, given the guys right below him? Um, I mean, the only people I could see kind of giving him a first place vote after who we're about to talk about should be Braves fans. Um, I mean this in the nicest way possible. I think Freddie Freeman is kind of like a watered-down Joey Votto, not skill-wise, <laughs> but just you know what you're going to get with Joey Votto year in, year out, and it's going to be one of the best first basemen in the league since he's been in the league. I mean, this guy is giving his heart and soul to Atlanta, so what they've done to him before the lockout, honestly, is a travesty that they're not going to re-sign him, especially with those team-friendly deals that they have right now. There's no reason why they couldn't shell out the money. Um, the guy's 31, had his most played appearances in his career, most amount of runs in his career, 300 average pretty much every year except like four or five, almost 400 on base percentage. Like to be 31 coming off a World Series, like the first thing they should have done after their celebrations was get this man a new contract. And, yeah. I mean, he's put up the stats to deserve a huge payday at 31. And, I mean, with the DH coming to the NL now, too, I mean, I keep mentioning it, but you don't need these first basemen to play first base for 155-plus games like he's been doing. Like, you can let him just hit. Yeah, they can and give I, some first base time to Austin Riley, who's yeah, a great hitter but a terrible third baseman. I mean, I think that's going to boost his value now with a lot of teams that might not have considered him originally. Um, he, you just know what you're going to get with this guy, and it's phenomenal stats. Yeah, he's going to be great every year. Uh, maybe wouldn't sign him to a real long deal, maybe cap it at five, six years, but he's going to hit yeah, for the length of that I think that's deal. what he's looking for. I think he's looking for six years. I mean, he's kind of like a... Like a Joey Votto, kind of like Tom Brady guy, where like the only thing that's going to stop him from playing anymore is him kind of hanging it up to be with his family. Yes. And I know he wants to be a California guy. That's where he's from. Um, he's got some kids, like really balls in his court now. And I mean, still have to think he resigns, but it's very weird that he hasn't so far. Yeah, for the narrative, we'd all like him to resign. Yeah, putting together the graphic that we'll see in a few minutes of our lists, it was very weird to put him in gray and black instead of Braves colors. It's just so weird. He's probably still going to end up there, but it's so strange that he hasn't yet. Yeah. And moving on, there's only one guy left to talk about. We all know who it is. He was very nearly unanimous, got, I believe, 24 of 26 first place votes in this process. The American League runner MVP runner up in 2021, Vlad Guerrero Jr. of the Blue Jays, 
Vlad is going into his age 23 season, well younger than everyone else on this list. And last year, he was monstrous. I'm just going to read off his stats with MLB ranks. 6.7 Fangraphs War, that was second. 166 WRC+, that was second. 48 home runs, that was tied for first. 311 average, fifth. 401 on base, third. 601 slugging, third. 416 expected weighted on base average, third. Vlad doesn't play the field very well, who cares? He might be the best hitter in baseball this side of Juan Soto. He's an easy number one here, right? Like, there was no contest. It's not even close. And, I mean, I feel like if Otani is not a two-way player, whichever side he's on, then Vlad wins MVP unanimously, and it's not even close. I mean, 48 home runs against 22 years old. Um, If the Blue Jays didn't mess with his time, we could have seen even more of Vlad which we've all wanted forever and yes. now for good reason. I mean, the guy's just like his dad. He's big, he hits bombs, and he does it often. Like you said, who cares that he can't play defense? Just stick him out there and you know you're going to get runs. Yeah, that whole team can't play defense, and we don't care. They score 15 runs a game. Exactly. They're they're what the Yankees want to be. <laughs> yeah, they're going to be division champs. Don't say that. (laughs) Yeah, Vlad, there's not much to say here. In fact, there's so little I can really add to a conversation other than just reading the ridiculous stats that I brought a prop instead to waste time. And my prop is that I have a Vlad Guerrero Funko Pop. I mean, that's going to be worth some money in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the only thing I can really say is Vlad... His dad is a Hall of Fame player, obviously a very different player. His dad is probably the greatest bad ball hitter of all time. Vlad walks a lot, but they're both the big, powerful guys. And Vlad Jr. just hit more home runs in a season than his dad ever did. I know we've all heard that stat by now. It bears repeating. His dad is a Hall of Famer. Vlad Jr. has played, what, four years? And he just out home had the highest single-season homer total of anyone in the Guerrero family, including the Hall of Famer. Yeah, and he led the league in total bases. I mean, when you look at strikeouts to walks, 110 to 86, like you would think for a guy who hits for this much power is kind of just going to sell out on the power. But 401 on base, like this guy, he's not home run or bust at all. No. And he hit 400 in the minors. Yeah, 188 hits. Like this guy's 12 hits away from 200 hits in a year. Yeah, he's incredible. He's if Trout doesn't stay healthy, Vlad is probably the best right-handed hitter in baseball right now. Up there with Tatis and Acuna, they're probably the only ones even close to him. He's just so good. Yeah, like you said, there's nothing to say. I mean. You just watch him hit and you get excited Even if he's not on your team And it's just If baseball could do a better job of marketing Their players <laughs> like they, He's great for baseball And just I bet if you ask Casual baseball fans no one has any Idea who he is No 
And now we've alluded to it enough. It's time we're going to present our lists. And if you're watching this, you'll see on the screen that there is a fourth list that belongs to James Darshuski, who you've also seen his name on the bottom ticker. He had to drop out of this podcast at the last minute. So we decided to keep his list in regardless, keep his name in because he was supposed to be here. And uh, for him just telling us he'd be here, we decided to keep him in. So you can see our lists if you want. If you're not, if you're just listening to this as a podcast, I'll read the overall list that we just presented and then my list, just so you know what we're talking about. The overall list when Vlad Guerrero, Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson, Max Muncy, Paul Goldschmidt, Joey Votto, Pete Alonso, Jose Abreu, Brandon Belt, and Yuli Gurriel. My personal list, I'm in lockstep with our overall list on the top five. Vlad Guerrero, Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson, Max Muncy, Paul Goldschmidt, then Pete Alonso at six, Brandon Belt at seven, Ty France at eight, Joey Votto at nine, and Yandy Diaz at ten. And Joe, I don't know, do you want to read your list off? Yeah, so I was pretty close. I had Vlad first, Matt Olson second, Freddie Freeman third, Jose Bray fourth, Paul Goldschmidt fifth, Max Muncy sixth. Joey Votto, seven, Yuli Gurriel, eight, Pete Alonso, nine. And I did a quick audible after realizing my mistake. I had Reese Hoskins at 10, but I had to switch him out with Ty France. Yeah, so that's a good place to get started here. Let's talk about Ty France. We both have him on our lists. I, in fact, have him above Joey Votto. You have him above Brandon Belt, who didn't make your list. Those are two legitimate, really good players so what do you think of Ty France that we actually think I mean, he's that good, right? Yeah, I mean, Seattle is kind of the hot spot to be right now for young guys. Um, you got Kalanick. Um, they just added Robbie Ray. And, I mean, this kid just played 152 games after never playing more than 69 in his first year. So 291 batting average, 368 on base. Um, 18 home runs for his first full year. I mean, the kid's only going to get stronger. He's only going to get better, more at-bats. It's just going to help him out. And to know that they have a guy that they could see for the foreseeable future playing at a corner with all these young guys coming up, I mean, he adds a huge boost to their team. They don't have to look for another first baseman, at least based off what we saw. Hopefully he keeps it up. And I just think he's going to be great going forward. Yeah, I'm right with you there. And I'd like to add, I know I called Matt Olson the premier defender at the position earlier. It was Ty France last year, and it was Ty France by a lot. He actually plays a competent second base, too. He's a good hitter. He's not the biggest home run threat, but also he plays in an absolute cavern out in Seattle. He's just a solid hitter. He's a good defender. He plays a lot. I was really impressed with him last year. Uh so I'm not going to ask you about Reese Hoskins since you took him off the list. I am going to ask you, because I can't ask James, about Jared Walsh. Yeah, I mean, kind of the same thing of him playing pretty much his first full season. Um, just kind of another mainstay guy. I mean, with Trout and Otani in that lineup and Rendon coming back, I mean, having that kind of fourth option, I would say he is him, 
Brandon Marsh, Joe Adele coming up. It's just we know that the Angels can hit. They have the big names to hit, and to have a first baseman like that is always good. Um, if they could just figure out their pitching, they could be a legit team. But, I mean, knowing that they kind of got their guys slotted in after Pujols left and, I mean, hitting around all those guys, it's only going to help them get better. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think he's a really legitimately good hitter. Uh, I'd like to see him move around a little more. I know he's also a decent left fielder. I'd like to see him do that a little more. He's very athletic. We know he was a two-way player coming up. I He couldn't quite make my list. I believe I had him 11th. And that segues nicely into someone I want to plug real quick, which is Yandi Diaz. Complete disrespect for him. In this voting process, I was the only person who put him in the top 10. Yandy Diaz has a serious on-base skill. He plays a good first base. He plays a competent third base. He hits the ball so hard. And it's Tampa. You know, he's never going to get 600 plate appearances in Tampa with how they move guys around. But when he plays, he's going to be great. And I just wanted to plug for him real quick because I had to throw him on my list. I think he's a really talented player. Yeah, and, he's not bad when he's on the field. I think my slander for him is just, I mean, this is his first pretty close to full season, 134 games. But I kind of just see him less as a first baseman and more like a mix, kind of like a Max Muncy, like first base, third base, DH kind of guy. I mean, if he put up these numbers as full-time first baseman, I would definitely consider it a little more. Um, but that's my only gripe about him. Yeah, that's a, that is a fair gripe. And I have just a couple of small questions about your list. What made you go Abreu over Goldschmidt and Guriel over Alonso? Um, Guriel over Alonso, I honestly, the age is kind of what set it apart. With Pete Alonso being so young and Guriel being so old, like we're going to see Guriel drop off this list sooner than later. And we're going to see Pete Alonso kind of fly up this list a little better, but just for what Guriel has done in his career. And recently, I mean, it's pretty impressive. And Pete Alonso is going to get to that point eventually. Like if you swap these guys on these teams, like I think Pete Alonso gets a little higher and Guriel might not even be on this list, but just kind of where they play and who they play around kind of influence that. And then, as far as Abreu over Goldschmidt, I mean, they're both, like we've said, solid. You know what you're going to get. I just think Abreu's kind of got that power. And since he's been in Chicago, there's nothing for him to figure out where Goldschmidt, we kind of had to adjust to that St. Louis and kind of wait for him to kind of figure it all out. So it was close, but I think just because Abreu's got it all figured out right now that he was higher. That's fair. I wish James was here so I could ask him what he was doing putting Freeman at four. Uh, I assume it's just because he's a Dodgers fan and he wanted to move Muncy up the list. Other than that, these lists look pretty good to me. And there's not much for us to talk about anymore. So we're going to go into our outro real quick. You can see now at the bottom of the screen, if you're watching this, our social media and Website handles are there. If not, I'll read them off to you. The website is diamond-digest.com. The Twitter is at diamond underscore digest. 
And the Instagram is diamond.digest. This was the top 10 right now series for 2021 for Space Edition. For Joe Coders, I'm Sean Huff. And also for the Vlad Guerrero Funko Pop, thank you for watching or listening today. I hope you continue to listen or watch us as we go through these positions. Good night, everybody.